0: Broadcasting from the UNMC College of Nursing. Get ready for RN Huddle, the podcast dedicated to bringing hot topics for and by nurses to the table. Well, hello there, and welcome to RN Huddle. This is your host, Heidi Keeler, coming to you from the great state of Nebraska. And as always, in this time, we are social distancing and we are recording these episodes from a distance. So please be patient, as always, with the IT. We do our best to make sure that you're not hearing any disruptions, but sometimes life is inevitable and you're, you might hear a few things. So thank you to everyone for understanding. For today's show, we have an absolutely incredible and special set of guests on with us. And we are going to talk about a topic that is near and dear to my heart, and that is nursing leadership. Nurses traditionally have been able to do a lot of different things with their training and their unique skill sets, but we're going to really focus in on two amazing nursing leaders who are really changing the the nation and doing work that is touching the lives of many, particularly during the time of pandemic. And so our listeners can have an understanding of why this leadership is so important NETEC stands for, or at least it originally stood for the the National Ebola Training and Education Center. And it was brought about through the successful treatment of Ebola patients by three medical institutions, one being UNMC and Nebraska Medicine, one being Bellevue Hospitals in New York, and then the third being Emory University. So this Amazing collaboration was brought together so that we would be prepared should another pandemic or health threat like this happen. And it just so happened that we we did see another pandemic very soon after, such that the scope of Tech grew to not only this category A pathogen, but to a new pathogen, COVID. And with that, NETEC evolved into, the National Emerging Pathogen Training and Education Center. So this entity just keeps growing and its scope keeps growing and the requirements for its leadership keep growing. So we are just thrilled to be able to speak to our two nurse leader guests today. So without further ado, let's go ahead and introduce our guests for today. So with us today, we have two nurses. We have Angie Vasha of Nebraska Medicine, who is the Director of Quarantine and Isolation Services, and also she works for NeTech as their Director of Readiness Consultation and Metrics. And with her is Sharon Van Aersdale. And she is the Director of Education and Resources for Tech at Emory University and also the Program Director for Serious Communicable Diseases at Emory. So Angie, Sharon, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having us.
1: Yes, thank you. We're excited to be here with you today.
0: We are actually coming up on uh, close to a year of being under the COVID conditions and in having to practice social distancing, really trying to figure out The Ins and Outs of COVID and Treatment, and both of you were well poised in being able to jump right in and help the nation out with this. And so why don't you just tell us a little bit about where you are serving in your careers today? Angie, do you want to go ahead and
1: get started? Sure. Thanks, Sharon. So I am currently, as you noted, serving as the Director of Quarantine and Isolation Services here at Nebraska Medicine and UNMC. Um, And I also have the pleasure of working for NETEC, which is the National Emerging Special Pathogens Training and Education Center. And so my current role intersects the span of preparedness and response capabilities, as well as clinical care delivery. And so right now, it's funny that you say it's been almost a year of COVID response. We actually just celebrated the one year And I say celebrated lightly, but the one year of the first time we activated our national quarantine unit for provision of observation, monitoring, and ultimately isolation services for some of the first individuals who were brought here for SARS-CoV-2, which our first activation was on Valentine's Day of last year. So this has been a month of kind of looking back, but also looking forward to what we want to be able to continue to change and accomplish in the next six to 12 months. Great. Thank you. Yeah, I
2: you? think you said that so well. You know, I think our roles, not only working in the healthcare arena, allow us and prepare us to serve in the National Emerging Special Pathogens Training and Education Center, which we'll, we'll call NETEC from here on out. But having that experience, understanding kind of what's happening at our facilities, at our hospitals, and our regions across the country, allow us to be better prepared to help with the resources, the information, the education that we need to push out from the tech perspective.
0: So Angie and Sharon, your job titles are so impressive and they just really symbolize the, the heavy responsibility that you have in your positions. But I think all of us know that one doesn't just wake up one day and end up on the front lines of emerging pathogens. So. Could you tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are and, and why it is that you are finding yourselves leading national efforts in this area?
2: Yeah, I'll go ahead and kick us off. And, you know, I love hearing, hearing our stories and how we all came to this point, but I. I started off as a new graduate in the emergency department back in 2003 and just loved working in the ED. You know, I love the camaraderie. I love the teamwork. I love the energy, the excitement, the autonomy, the highs, and even the lows, because that helped, you know, really give, gives really good perspective. You know, I went back to school to, to get my master's degree as an advanced practice nurse, as a nurse practitioner and clinical nurse specialist. And loved working as the CNS in the emergency department at Emory, really focusing on implementing best practices, improving patient care. And then Ebola happened. And of course, you know, working in the ED, being those front lines, being likely the primary point of contact, that first point of contact, you know, I felt it was really important to do education. And this was early on during the outbreak, early spring of 2014. I remember specifically working on education, really focused on the triage nurses, but really anywhere on what to look for with Ebola, kind of, you know, where were we seeing it? So I was working on some information, some education to push out. And I remember our CEO at the time coming down, doing his rounds like he would and asking what I was working on. And so I told him, elaborated, and he's like, you know, it's closer than you think. And I was like, sure, yeah, I gotcha. CDC is right down the street. I'm, I'm totally with you. Yep, I, I'm sure it's pretty close. And within an hour, I was up in the, uh, our chief nurse officer's office talking about the fact that we were going to be getting a patient with Ebola. And that turned out to be Dr. Brantley. And that's how my engagement with serious communicable diseases started. I was asked to be the clinical nurse specialist in the unit, really help with training, ensure that our protocols were current, that we, you know, were doing things, best practices. Again, I think the important role of the clinical nurse specialist and having that nurse leader there. And it just evolved from there. I think Angie would agree that who knew taking care of, you know, one, two, four patients would end up turning into this whole national infrastructure that turned out to be knee tech.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great closing statement, Sharon. And I think that similarly, our paths were similar in the way that we evolved, I think, towards the positions that we're in now. I started at Nebraska Medicine as a new grad nurse, and I did not start in the ED. I actually started in a solid organ transplant unit with progressive care delivery and then transferred over to a trauma ICU And I joined our biocontainment unit team in 2009, and I was a staff nurse on the biocontainment unit team and really joined it because I wanted to be a part of something that was exciting. I think Sharon and I have that in common of like wanting to be on the front lines, to be in the mix, to be on the, the forward edge of what's, you know, the pushing the clinical practice for nurses. When our unit got activated in 2014, I was a lead charge nurse in our trauma ICU, And interestingly, that was kind of what my career goal was, was to be a charge nurse in a trauma ICU in a level one trauma center and to be the nurse leader that helped new staff nurses acclimate to ICU level of care. And so when we activated our unit to admit our first patient confirmed to have Ebola virus disease, I was one of the staff nurses that provided care in the unit And after we took care of our three patients that came in, we ended up getting asked to do some smaller educational sessions. And ultimately, when NEETEC was formed, I was invited to be a part of the leadership team for the biocontainment unit to be the clinical coordinator, which kind of spanned education, training, preparedness, and supporting some of the efforts of NITEC. And I think, you know, to Sharon's point that we really could not have imagined the evolution of what was implemented in 2014 to 2016 to where uh, tech is today, in addition to the, the infrastructure that's rung up across the United States.
2: And Angie, it's so exciting to think about how far we've come since the, the, the start of NEETEC in 2015, the national infrastructure mm-hmm. that was put into place, how far along some hospitals have really gotten and where we're going. It's really exciting to hear about where, where we'll be five years from now, six years from now, especially after all of the learnings and everything we've gathered, lessons learned from, from COVID.
0: All right. So, so actually I'm going to hop in here because for our listeners, we have nurses from across the country at all levels of practice who listen to our show. And to hear you talk about it, it just seems like such a natural evolution that you would find yourself graduating from nursing school and that you would be working on a unit and then all of a sudden you are in the center of one of the scariest things that happened a few years ago, caring for patients who had this highly communicable and dangerous disease. And it just sounds like you, you just fearlessly charged in there. And not only were you giving clinical care, but also found yourselves on the forefront of leadership too. Um, Could you just explain a little bit to our listeners what it was like to be in the center of a worldwide issue and how you dealt with that day-to-day and then how your balance of clinical skills and leadership skills really got you involved in creating this national collaboration? Yeah, I'll I'll start by saying...
2: I had no idea it was going to be this big, like it would be. Worldwide. I mean, it was so interesting One, I could not turn on the TV, like during that entire time of caring for patients, because it was stressful to watch everything on TV. Interestingly enough, it, (laughs) when, when the ambulance was on the way to the unit with the very first patient, um. We got more information from the news media. Like we knew exactly where the ambulance was. We knew how close they were because there were so many eyes on. And that was incredibly stressful to the point where I could not turn on the TV for months. Like I just could not watch TV because I just didn't, I didn't need to have all that additional pressure. I will say that my family was an amazing support system. And I remember having that difficult conversation or thought was going to be a difficult conversation with while telling my parents that. Yeah, I think I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to be helping out with this team. I was asked to help and I really, I want to do this and I know I can do this. And they were so supportive. And I remember my dad actually saying, you know what? I know that if you're involved with this, it's going to be great that everybody's going to be so safe. And so I, I have full confidence and that. Was just, that was an amazing feeling. But the team, the camaraderie that you have with this team, and I think that's why I love it so much. Cause it reminded me so much of the emergency department. But I mean, it was so much more that was, it was just an amazing, I mean, the partnerships that we have with the providers, the nurses, the number of people that it took to be able to care for those four patients over those four months. It was just, it was amazing. It was, there was no hierarchy. There was just true partnership collaboration to get to the goal of providing the very best care. And I just I feel so lucky, so privileged to be part of this team, and could not imagine this trajectory. But I'm so
0: so blessed that it it, it has gone this way. Oh, Sharon, what what a, a support system you've got! That just uh, that's very envious, <laughs> enviable. Mm-hmm. Um, Angie, what was it like for you?
1: Yeah, I think Sharon really articulated it well, and I think to to give a little bit of perspective for the larger kind of viewing or listening audience, when our units were activated in 2014 through 2015, the number of biocontainment units or high-level isolation units in the United States could be counted on one hand. And so we had drilled for years and we always drilled towards kind of the worst case scenario would be a viral hemorrhagic fever. We always drilled towards, you know, Ebola would be the worst thing that could, that could come to our unit. Um, But we also never really thought that that was what the thing would be that would activate us because it's not endemic in the United States. It really seemed like an exotic, faraway disease. And I think that when we got the notification that we would be getting a patient, we had the benefit of having had be activated first. And I think in addition to all of the things that Sharon talked about with the team building and the camaraderie and just the innate levels of support and horizontal hierarchy, I think the other thing that really, made that experience or those experiences so life-changing from a nursing perspective was the partnering between Emory Hospital, UNMC Nebraska Medicine, and then ultimately Bellevue in New York. I mean, we were on the phone with each other regularly with, you know, our colleagues, with the CDC, with, with other experts saying, okay, what are you guys doing? What are you seeing? How are your staff doing? And we were, you know, using the things that we had practiced for many years, but we were also changing a lot of things in real time as new research came out, as new symptoms evolved, as staff activations exceeded the number of days that we ever thought that we would be activated. And I think it was that elimination of academic competition that thrust us forward and really ultimately laid the foundation for us to be funded as a consortium to form NEETEC. And I think it's just, it was a situation that has never, I've never been a part of before, nor have, i been part of something that altruistic
0: sense. Wow. So we went from hearing about this exotic disease, drilling with Emory and Nebraska Medicine in their respective units, thinking that it was kind of a distant thought that something like this would come to the United States and that you'd be in the middle of it. For the listeners, like you mentioned, this was high level news. And everybody was interested in what was going on, but I don't think that people really understand the complexities of what was going on clinically, and then the complexities of what was going on in building the consortium. As you said, NETEC is a consortium of of Emory, Nebraska Medicine, UNMC, and Bellevue in New York. And since then, it has grown, Correct.
1: Yes, it is. So is still founded by these three consortium members, but over the last few years, we've done a lot of work to integrate the 10 regional treatment centers. So there's a regional emerging special pathogens treatment center in each of the 10 FEMA regions. And I think Sharon will likely elaborate on this, but one of the, the most gratifying things has been to see nurse leaders rise up across this network of 10 centers and partner with their physician colleagues, their medical director colleagues. But to see nurses really move forward the preparedness within these institutions, maintaining a team, doing the training and education, participating in education, um, attending readiness consultations, delivering technical assistance, all focused on special pathogen preparedness and response efforts. And it's just been, I think the last three years, we've not only gained colleagues, but we've gained a lot of friends across the country, because there's still such a small number of people who are willing to step forward. Instead of running away.
0: Wow. Sharon, what are your thoughts on that?
2: I totally agree. And I want to echo that. Like, I mean, colleagues who have become friends. And I think because it goes back to that camaraderie. You're not in this alone, right? This is a very unique kind of world. It's a very unique setting. And it is so fantastic to be able to pull upon 10 excellent centers, about 10 excellent nursing leaders and amazing physicians, subject matter experts and really get some great practices. Like, what are you doing? How are you handling this? What would you do in this situation? I mean, (laughs) how many times did Angie and I have Angie and I talked about like, what would staffing look like if you had 10 patients? What would that look like? What would you do with personal protective equipment? It is amazing to be able to pull upon those amazing brains from all 10 regional treatment centers to really come up with some, some guiding principles and best practices. So you're not recreating the wheel. It's this great opportunity to share and then to do those best practices and then disseminate them largely through knee tech.
0: So this is absolutely incredible. So we, we heard about how you both really rose up clinically to be able to care for these complex patients, which really were very low in number. But through that, this consortium was created and you were in the middle of this. You as nurses were the ones that stepped up and said, yes, I want to lead this, and I want to help build something bigger and something that will make the nation safer. So tell us what that was like. Tell us how you had the courage and felt prepared to be able to take this on. I will say that
2: we are representing nurses at the bedside, and I think that's why we are so passionate about it. We feel that, that we can provide a voice to every nurse and, that serves in the front line, any healthcare worker that serves in the front line. i also say that my ability to work at this level has been because I have the support from my organization. I could not be here without amazing nursing leadership, amazing physician leadership who have helped empower me, that have helped engage me to get to this level. It's an amazing opportunity, and I'm so thankful for that. And I think it's important work. I I'm really proud that Angie and I are two nurses who are, we're activity directors within knee tech. So of the three directors, two of them, Angie and myself are nurses. And I think that that's a powerful statement. I think that that's really powerful because so much of our frontline staff are nurses, so much of our audience, they're nurses. And so I, I feel really great about that and that, that we've been empowered and provided this opportunity. and stepped in. You know, sometimes that opportunity doesn't always exist. We see that chance and that that possibility and we we were able to step into that.
1: I would I would agree with that Sharon and I think the only thing that I would add is that you know, similarly that I have been very fortunate that I've had leaders that have not only like invited me to the table but have actually made space. And so to work alongside Our physician colleagues or other nurse leaders and our, you know, PhD prepared scientists and to have them make space for us and really say we need nurses at the table, I think kind of reinforces back to me that I need to be able to do that for the next generation of nurses that want to forge an alternative path, if you will. Um, You know, it's the merger of preparedness, infectious disease, emergency response is not a field that I ever picture that I would be pursuing when I first graduated nursing school. And so I think this is an emerging field of study. And I think for for Sharon and I, and I think for some of our other nurse leaders to be able to articulate to newer nurses or to people who might be thinking about an alternative way to get involved and make a difference is to be able to make space for them the way that other people have made space
0: for us. Wow. So you know when you when you hear about response, emergency preparedness and response Many out there might think that this is just defaulted to the infectious disease physicians or that really this is led by a purely medical team. But you've just articulated here that you were nurses who were on the the front lines of the original Ebola patients. And then from there, with that experience about biocontainment and, and ED clinical treatment, you were able to then be prepared to step up and lead this national effort, which is helping the nation to cope with and recover from COVID. I can't think of a a more inspiring nursing story than that. What other things can you tell our listeners that they should be focusing on in order to be able to do similar things in the world like you've done?
2: I would say one thing is is staying involved and engaged, specifically in professional organizations. I don't know about you, Angie, but I felt, I, I felt a great connection with the Emergency Nurses Association. I still am, even though I've left the ED. There's a saying that you know you can take the girl out of the ED, but you can never take the ED out of the girl. I am always going to have those roots back to the emergency department, even though I don't necessarily work in the ED anymore. I feel like the work I do. impacts the emergency department because of that frontline, that first point of contact in many cases. So I, I would definitely recommend and suggest staying engaged in your professional organizations. It is a great way to, to get information, to get engaged, to learn about being, to be able to step into being a leader, starting off at the local level, moving into, you know, your state and national level. There's just, there's so many opportunities out there and ways to stay informed. I'll also, you know, I just want to uh, kind of comment that as Angie was saying, we work with some amazing physicians, some amazing providers, PhD, MD, these brilliant individuals. Dr. Bruce Ribner is our medical director. He's been in infectious diseases for a long time. (laughs) I won't say how long. I have learned so much from him and he has shared his knowledge and recognize that he is the infectious disease specialist. I, I have not gone to school the way he has for infectious diseases. But that's what makes this partnership so important is that I bring my background with engaging, you know, frontline staff, working in the emergency department, emergency preparedness. So we all bring together our pieces, our components to make it such an amazing program. And I think you need that. You need that well-rounded ability, and that's what makes an amazing unit, that, that kind of special dyad there.
1: Sharon, I would say that is exactly it is. You know, It's really easy to, to get caught up in titles as you move into higher levels of leadership or get involved in different organizations. And so I guess maybe the two things that I would say to folks are, remember that nurses bring a special perspective, and we don't have to try to be something else. So nurses are invited to the table because of the type of training that we get for a holistic approach to complex problems, to be able to bring forward all of that knowledge and the learning and the, the unique way that nurses handle problems. And we don't have to be the physician. We don't have to be the scientist. We are being invited because we are nurses. And so I think it's really important to remember that and to kind of be true to our profession. And I think the second thing that I would say is just say yes. When somebody presents you with what they will likely call a developmental opportunity. And I say that a little bit tongue in cheek, because I think that's how most of my progression has started is when someone above me or that I work with. said, this would be a great developmental opportunity for you. And it's outside of your realm of expertise, or it stretches you past your point of comfort. Say yes, step in, do the work, do the research and be willing to step out in courage and don't let fear hold you back because it's been some of those opportunities where i really felt like i should not be doing this where i have learned the most and grown the most
0: well you know sharon and angie you both make it sound so easy say yes and and really step forward for all the nurses out there i would say that although i've heard a very nice story an amazing story really i think our listeners need to know that angie and sharon are Tenacious and smart, and and really add to the team, the team of Knee Tech in so many ways. And again, for the listeners who aren't very familiar with Knee Tech, Knee Tech is the national consortium that is looking at how do we handle these infectious diseases, these emerging pathogens. What are the best practices? How do we make sure that all the facilities across the the country are ready? using the expertise that Angie, Sharon, and and the teams have put together. They're at the forefront of this. We've heard a lot in the news about nurses at the forefront and the bedside of COVID, but here we are with two nurses who are really paving the way for that clinical care, the best practices, and making sure that should anything like this come down the pike again, we'll be ready. What do you all say about the future of your positions and where you think you may go with your leadership and your amazing clinical expertise? I would say that this world
2: is probably not going anywhere. Um, You know, I think maybe five, six years ago when we were talking just about Ebola. There were concerns that in three years, four years, are people gonna even remember? Are people even gonna think twice about emerging infectious diseases? Is the work that we're doing still going to be important? And then this pandemic happened. And I think it just goes to show you that you can never let your guard down, that this is gonna serve as a reminder for the next 100 years that we need to stay prepared. And that when you're talking about patient care, The nurses are going to be at the front line. And so they need to be involved in these decisions. We need to make sure that we have that nursing voice, that nursing perspective, always engaged and involved in those decisions from the personal protective equipment to the level to what is happening at the bedside, those clinical care decisions. The nurse is there 24-7. So who best to help make these decisions on what is going to be best for the patient than the person who's always at the bedside
1: yeah I think when you say where like where do you see this this path going? I think in being really transparent, is I you know, I think the world is ever changing and it's really difficult to say, where am I all of this lead? I think for me right now, to Sharon's point, it is making sure that we're maintaining nursing integration and nursing participation and really looking forward to say, okay, well, we've learned these lessons in the United States. What are we learning from our international colleagues? What are we learning that we can push forward to make policy changes, to make lasting change so that we don't find ourselves in the same position that we did when the COVID pandemic started? And so I think that I'm still probably in a phase of development and uh, learning and thinking through, you know, where can I best make the most impact and to be able to continue to grow and just be open to, you know, potential opportunities that might come forward. So I couldn't have told you five years ago that I would be where I'm at today. So I hesitate to predict where I'll be in five years. But um, I think that the work that we've been able to do through NETEC and the work that we're doing as regional treatment centers has been so gratifying and terrifying and exciting all at the same time that I think continuing to to be engaged and to stay present in this work is going to be what provides me the most fulfillment.
0: Well, that's so, so well said, Angie. And I, I think that we could probably talk all day about the stories that you have and the experiences that you've come across in this work. I can't even imagine some of the things that you've seen in your experience. But I think you said something that was very, both of you said something that was very, very impactful. And that is, where are we going to make a difference? And who's going to step up to make that difference? And here we have an example of two nurses who are doing just that and will continue to do that. So Angie, Sharon, I can't thank you enough for being on our show today. Any last minute words of wisdom? I would just say thank you so much for having us and for all
2: those nurses out there who are, especially after this pandemic, when, we, when things kind of settle down a little bit, I recognize and realize our nurses are tired Those frontline steps, I one, just want to say thank you to all of the nurses out there for working so hard and putting in all the effort that you have, but don't give up. I, you know, I so worry about the nursing turnover after COVID. And I would just say, use this as your power to move it forward, to put it in a direction. There's something that it doesn't seem right. Take this opportunity, empower yourself to, to try to make things better going forward for the next generation of nurses. But again, nursing, it's such a big opportunity here. There's something that you're doing that you can try a different field within nursing. That's why I love it. There's just so much flexibility within nursing. So the thank you and don't give up.
1: Yeah, I don't think I can add anything to that. I think Sharon's closing statement is extremely powerful. and. I would just echo what she said, but I don't have anything to add to that.
0: (laughs) I would agree. That was very positively and well-worded. And I I think that this is a really good place to end for today. Angie, Sharon, thank you so much for being on the show with us. I just so enjoy hearing about your experiences and, and really the inspiration that you're bringing to nurses all over the country both practicing nurses and those that are, are just starting out. So thank you. And to our listeners, this has been an amazing podcast episode, talking to two nurse leaders who are really changing the way care is delivered, really taking on pandemic and, and infectious diseases, emerging pathogens head on. Angie Vasha, Sharon Van Ayersdale, thank you so much. I think this is something that we'll probably have to check back on with you and and see what other national efforts you're leading in the future. I can only imagine what the two of you are going to do next. So thank you. Thank you to our listeners. This has been a wonderful episode of RN Huddle, and we hope that you will join us next time. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to RN Huddle. To stay connected, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at UNMC CNE or check out unmc.edu slash CNE for more program information.